God had been in exile, they're coming home to Jerusalem. They see the steps leading into the temple, and as they ascend each one, they pray and give praise to God. They teach us how to pray and praise God in difficult times. Join us for this series every Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. Well, it's uh, November the 18th, uh, 2020. I just want to remind you that uh, next week we will not be uh, meeting together uh, either at the church for our Wednesday night prayer meeting or by way of uh, this media that uh, we're able to use on Wednesday nights to bring this Bible study to you. And we're very grateful to God for uh, providing this technology and enabling us to use this technology to uh, help us gather together under the authority of the Word of God and to listen to the Holy Spirit as He speaks to us through His Word. So we are here tonight and we will not be together uh, next Wednesday night. I hope by God's grace you're able to meet with loved ones and uh, enjoy a wonderful Thanksgiving season together and then the following Sunday, November the 29th, we will uh, launch the season of Advent, the four Sundays that uh, prepare us for the celebration of the Incarnation. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We will be having at the church, and by way of this technology, our Wednesday night services during the first three Wednesday nights in December, but then the final two Wednesday nights and the first Wednesday night, uh, if uh, God wills, in January, we will not be meeting either at the church or by way of uh, this medium that uh, we have available to us. Well, we are looking at the psalm, the psalms, plural of ascents. Uh, pilgrims who had been far away from Jerusalem under the judgment of God deported from their place of familiarity and stability and security and predictability and safety. They were in a foreign land and the time had come by God's grace after many years of being in captivity in Babylonia, in Babylonian captivity in Babylon, and by God's grace, they're able to begin the journey, the long journey across the desert and through the mountains and on their way to the sacred city. And arriving there, they would see those steps that would lead them up into the temple precincts. And as they made their way singing to God, the songs that came to be known as the Psalms of Ascent and then as they stood on those steps, one by one, making their way up, singing to God. We've come tonight to Psalm 122. And I want to read this psalm for us. I want us to pray. And then I want us to listen to the teaching of this psalm. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. 
Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. The thrones of judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Father, whenever we take the Bible and hold it in our hands, we are holding a sacred treasure. We are opening and reading and then reflecting on absolute truth. It is so strange to live in the world of America in our day and really across the landscape of the world where the overwhelming majority of people would uh, say to us there is no absolute truth. That truth is whatever we perceive to be true for us. We decide by way of experience and emotion what is true. So we are increasingly, even tonight, doing an odd thing in the eyes of the world. We're holding up a book. We're reading from a book. And we believe with every fiber of our being that this book is your word. It is the only absolute truth in the entire universe. And we believe it and base our lives on it. So God, by way of the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, this night, during this time, teach us, we pray, your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. The next few psalms that we will study have a rather general connecting theme. They have to do with the joy of the people of God in the worship of God. The joy of the people of God in the worship of God, and they come at this theme from various perspectives and the perspective that is here in Psalm 122 is the perspective of place. That place where we gather to worship God. I remember the very first trip that I made to East Africa to the country of Kenya. On Sunday morning, we got up and we went out to 
a village. It was a long ride. It was a hard ride. And we arrived in this village very early in the morning as the sun was rising. And people were already beginning to gather. The uh, church was located under two massive trees. Women were out early in the morning with their brooms and they were sweeping the dirt clean of every kind of the most minute debris. They brought out a pulpit. They covered the pulpit in a white cloth. They brought out a table and covered it in a white cloth. They, they sat chairs behind the pulpit and covered them in white cloths. They brought out chairs and benches from the surrounding huts and organized them in front of the pulpit. The sky was our roof. The dirt was our floor. The sounds of nature accompanied the music that we sang, all of it a cappella, some of it to the beat of bongos. This was the place where on this occasion we worshipped our great and glorious God. I remember the first trip I made to the Republic of Georgia. And going out in the countryside, remembering that when Christianity moved out of what we call the Holy Land and into what is the modern day area of Eastern Europe, one of the first places that arrived was what we know as the Republic of Georgia. Christian church was born there and the worship and praise of God was born there and Churches in the 5th century began to be built there. Massive, massive cathedrals. Spires towering up toward heaven. People would gather on Sunday morning and they would stand in those vast cathedrals and they would come to that place where they worshipped God. There are many Sunday mornings, to be quite honest, that I come to First Baptist Church of Waynesboro, and I wonder if we really are grateful for the place that God has given us to worship. I wonder how many of our people take for granted that we have this place. I wonder how many of our people know that in that January month when in 1880 our church was first, first formed, the people, that small handful of 50 to 60 people had no place to worship. It was the gracious generosity of our neighbors at the First Methodist Church in Waynesboro that provided for us a place until that handful of people could raise enough money to purchase a place and then build on that place, and they had their first place to worship. I possess copies, uh, photographed copies of 
every place that our First Baptist family has worshipped. Those are treasures to me. Because every place where we have worshipped is a special place. And not just to the people in that time who worshipped there, but I believe there should be special to us. Because we worship today because they worshiped then. We are able to do what we do today because of what they did then. And if Jesus tarries, it will go on from generation to generation until Jesus returns. Now what this psalm is about is that, that place, that place where the people of God are called to worship. Now, remember again, I've already talked about this, but remember again that this people had been far away from this place and they hadn't seen it, they hadn't sensed it, they hadn't smelled the smells or heard the sounds for a long time. And they're walking as they move from their place of captivity toward Jerusalem. They're, they're moving with great anticipation, and the closer they get, the more excited they get, and they come to the steps, and they know they're entering not just the sacred city, but they're moving toward the sacred space. Do you know one of the realities of life in our world is that uh, since the 1960s in America, we have worked overtime to diminish any notion of sacred space. Sacred space, secular space. Uh, we at one time knew the difference and we understood the difference. But since the 1960s, we have given ourselves to making every space the same space, even saying, and to some extent rightly, not entirely, but to some extent rightly, that it's not the space that makes it sacred, it's the use of the space that makes it sacred. I, I, I understand that sentiment. I don't buy into it entirely because there are places, I believe, that the people of God are called to gather that in itself is sacred space. And it is to be created that way doesn't have to be elaborate. It can be under two trees in eastern Africa and Kenya. It doesn't have to be ornate. It can be under the dome of the open sky. But those who come need to know that they're entering into sacred space. I can tell you this, that in the, in the time that I went to the Republic of Georgia and stood in those ancient cathedrals, nobody had to say to me, shh. I knew. I knew without any doubt that I was in sacred space. So do you see the scene, these pilgrims, making their way back and coming to the steps that enter the city. 
I don't think they whispered these words. I was glad. <laughs> I was overjoyed. I was happy beyond happy when they said to me, they, they. Worship is never an isolated individualistic event. We have our quiet times and we should. We read through the Bible each year and we should. But worship is a family event. And I'm not speaking here just of mom and dad and kids or grandfather, grandmother and grandkids. I'm talking here about your church family. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. See, this is a place. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And just that word causes emotion and passion and creates attraction. So much so that David repeats the word, Jerusalem. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. We could go to other places, but uh, let's go to Jeremiah to see this sentiment of those who are entering into the place. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 through 14. This is, this is the word of people who are entering into the place to worship God. Listen to how they were feeling as they were entering and hear what they were saying. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman, and he is in labor together. A great company shall, shall be, shall return here with weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy, I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it to the coastlands far away. Say, listen, he who scattered Israel will gather them and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and they shall sing aloud on the height of Zion. And they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden and they shall languish no more. They shall Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. They're happy. They're happy to be home. They've come to that place. I was glad when they said to me, 
let us go into the house of the Lord. Now here's the question, and I want to raise the question, and then I want us to hear together the answer. Here's the question. When we go into the house of the Lord, what should we find or what should we expect to find when we come together into the assembly? What is it that we're looking for in the house of the Lord? Well, he answers for us. We are coming to hear and to heed the call of God. We come to worship God in the place designated for worship because God has called us to come and God has commanded us to come. God is compelling us to come. Verse 3, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. We come because... We're bound together as believers in the body of Christ and we have this place. It's not the place that we adore. It's the God of the place that we adore. And yet we love coming to the place, don't we? Some of you who are listening to this are grateful that you have this opportunity, but you miss the place. You have your pew, and somebody may be sitting in your pew. Uh, the place is important. Secondly, we, we come because not only are we called, but we want to, we desire to obey God. The tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel. Uh, to gather at the place is simply to come, not, not only because we're called and commanded to come and compelled to come, but we want to obey God. We desire to do what he decrees. And he has decreed that his people come before him in worship. By the way, that is why, biblically, it's not remotely possible to speak of a Christian individuality, a Christian who is living outside the church. Because to come to God through Christ is to come into the family of his church. And when the Bible talks about the church, it talks overwhelmingly about a local gathering of believers. We come because we want to heed the call of God. We want to obey the command of God. We want to give thanks to God. This is what we should expect to do when we're gathered in the place that God has purposed for the worship of his name. Listen to the end of verse 4, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. We want to say to him how grateful we are for his goodness and his mercy. We want to bring him prayer and praise. 
Look at verse number five. We'll go back to, I mean, yeah, verse number five. The thrones for judgment were set. The thrones of the house of David. We come because we're commanded. We come because we're called of God. We come to give thanks to God. We come into the presence of God. Here's the fourth thing. In case I've confused you about the numbers, the fourth thing is we come in the presence of a God who has every right to judge us and before whose judgment we stand. And in the face of God's judgment, we, we pray. We pray and we praise and we pray and praise, verse 6, for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. The word peace here is the Hebrew word shalom. And it doesn't really have to do with the absence of conflict. We're not praying here for the absence of war, though we should pray for that. What we're praying for is wholeness in our lives. And wholeness in our lives comes when we know that by the grace of God, we've been forever delivered from the judgment of God. Every time we come into the presence of God at the place designated for the worship of God, and we lift up our prayers to God, and we lift up our praise to God, we're doing so in the light of the goodness that he has given us in saving us. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we pray and we pray with thanksgiving for safety and security. Verse 7, peace be within your walls and security within your towers. The church as a place should be a place where we feel safe and secure. A place where when we gather there, we know we are among friends, but even more than that, we're in the presence of families. We can, we can look around and see brothers and sisters. We belong to God, but we also belong to one another. And seventhly, at that place, we recognize the unity that we have for witness. Verse 8, for my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. At uh, verse number one, here is the cry, the joyful cry, let us go to the house of the Lord. And then at verse number nine, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. When the ancient Israelites traveling through the wilderness wanted to meet with God, they went to the tabernacle. It was their place. Later, they would build the temple. Solomon would build the beautiful Solomonic temple and 
they would go there to meet with God. As, as the Jews were scattered all over the world and the temple was destroyed, they would meet in what was called the synagogue to meet with God. You and I as Christians know, I pray we know, that there is no place really to which we go to meet with God. We go to the place because God has come and met with us. We don't go to the place seeking God. We go to the place because God has sought and found us because the fulfillment of what was found in the tabernacle and in the temple and in the synagogue is not in a building, but in a person. Go back to Jeremiah because I want you to see that. Jeremiah chapter 31. Because we stop reading that passage deliberately right before we got to a marvelous statement. And we began reading in verse 7, read through verse 14. And we read about the people celebrating in joyful celebration of being able to gather in the place to give worship to God. But then comes verse 15. Thus says the Lord, Jeremiah 31, 15, listen. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. We've gone from joy to grief. We've gone from celebration to concern. Now let me show you what God does in his word with this verse. Turn over to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2. After Jesus was born, he was taken by his parents into Egypt because Herod, being threatened by the birth of the Messiah, ordered all the male infants to be killed. And we read in Matthew 2, verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah that we just read. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. When we depend on a place to meet God, those places can be eradicated, burned down, destroyed, taken over. 
But you know what Jeremiah is saying to us as he communicates grief and sorrow? He's pointing us to Jesus. There was one child Herod could not kill because he is the fulfillment of God's plans and purposes for his people. He is the meeting place, the only meeting place for God and humans. And when we have met him, and when we know him, and when we know what he has done to purchase us, oh, my friend, we will find a place where believers like us gather. And when the Lord's day comes, we will go to that place and we will rejoice in the privilege to go to that place. And when we're there, we won't be doing this. How long do we have to be at this place? We're just glad for the privilege. Aren't you? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Oh God, we thank you for the place you have given us and where there are those that listen in that are worshiping in other places, I want to thank you tonight for the places you have given them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, friends, for joining us tonight, and, and I hope you again have a great Thanksgiving week, and I will see you on what will be December, believe it or not, December the 2nd. So I will... See you then. Good night. <laughs>